this is this is very exciting. We got we have Guthrie Trap on the podcast this week, who basically who came on very last minute. Actually, I texted what well, I texted you yesterday. Yeah, there, because or, I thought. I thought I was just going to be a, a like a, a guest of of you and and Oates. Kind no, of no, no, no. You, you had to reread guest. the text. I was very clear in the text. I, I know it's been busy, <laughs> you know, which is why I'm on the show. <laughs> because it's because of how busy it's been. First of all, I've got to give a shout out to Guthrie because here's the thing about Guthrie. Is this the show? Are we're, we doing? We're the show? in. We're we're, ha- oh, we're okay. happening right Shit. now. All right, forget all that stuff I just said about what. Zach, thanks so much for having me. Get get, get the fuck out of here. It's <laughs> it's all happening. Here's the thing about Guthrie though. I I gotta give Guthrie some props because mm. and I gotta give a little context to Guthrie and I because Guthrie was really like the first kind of like established guy that I ever met in Nashville. Mm-hmm. I came over to your place for a lesson back when you were still in Berry Hill. Right, and you gave me a lesson, and you know you didn't charge me for the lesson. Do you remember this? Really, I knew you were going to be somebody. Get get out of here! <laughs> what you said to me? Here's what you said to me because I'll, I'll never forget this. You, I said to you, Guthrie, how much is this lesson going to cost? And you said <laughs> you don't have that much. And you said no. You said no, don't worry about, it. don't worry about. It. We'll figure it out when you get here. That that's what you said. You said, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out when you get here. So I show up at your house. We do this lesson, and we're going to talk about this lesson because I really think. I'm not joking around here with Guthrie Trap. Mm-hmm. I swear, guys, I sat with you down for like an hour. I, the concepts in that hour, I'm not even joking around. Changed my guitar playing mm-hmm. forever. Like, that was probably the most pivotal hour of guitar teaching that I've ever had. Well, that's because those concepts changed my life, too. Because the, so you know exactly. Like I think you, I feel like you preach the same shit to everyone, right? Like, you, everyone comes in and they want to know how to get to, from a one chord to a four chord. Mm-hmm. And all these Belmont students, this is what you say. You say all these Belmont students come to you and they're trying to get from a one chord to a four chord. And mm-hmm. they know all this jazz theory and all their modes, but they can't get to from a one chord to a four chord, right? Isn't that mm-hmm. the kind of the big struggle, fascinatingly? Yeah, and, and it's a lot of just a lot of overthinking of, of the theoretical aspect versus the balance between that and the spirit the true spirit of making music which is listening to what is going on around you and, and reacting to it so strong fundamentals versus 80 percent of using your ear and um and reacting to your musical environment around you you know so I mean, we could talk about that if you want, but there's there's a lot of other fun stuff to talk about. I mean, but I don't want to bore these guys with guitar. No, but here's stuff, here's but, the point. Here's, but I have been teaching a lot and have kind yeah. of figured some stuff out. But no, but here's <clears> the point I was gonna make. The point I was gonna make was I came over for a lesson. You gave me this great lesson, and then you quoted me and a crazy amount of money for this lesson. And then you must have seen in my face that I was like, holy shit, like, like <laughs> oh, I'm I like did. new in town. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> and you said to me, you said, you said, why don't you come down to Acme tomorrow night and tech for me and we'll call it even. And I did. I said that? I swear to God. Good and Lord, then I we came can't da- put that on the air. No, no, no. <laughs> I came down to Acme and then you introduced me to like Pete Abbott. Oh, yeah. And Charles Wig Walker. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of you just kind of helped me out. You like introduced me to all these cats. Yeah, man. Well, you know, I you you have a you've got a pretty incredible personality out of the out of the gate. You know what I mean? So I I knew you were gonna be. I was, I knew you were gonna do something here. You is, know, is, is that what it was? That's I, not why. I mean, I, you, even if you were <laughs> if you worked for the 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 uh, you know the road crew. I mean, you still got a great personality. But I knew you were gonna do some shit here. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're still we're still working on it. We're still yeah, building. Yeah, it's been fun. I love watching. You know, I've been here 22 years, and to see somebody like Zach roll into town from New York City and embrace Nashville with your love of music and the guitar, but also your business sense and your hustle and your entrepreneurial mindset and all that stuff. I, these are things that that resonate with me because I learned here a long time ago. I think that 
you know, you can play the guitar and, and make a living, you know, in Nashville if you're if you're decent and you can do session work and play on the road and all these things. But there's also I've learned that that instrument is also a just a it's a it's a vehicle for for meeting people and relationships and networking and all the interpersonal th- aspects of what go on or, or what, you know, make up having a, you know, somewhat uh, comfortable lifestyle, successful career doing the things that you want to do and not having to get up every day and do the things you don't want to do. Um, you know, for lack of a more eloquent way to say that, I think you know what I'm talking about. I mean, that's where we're all kind of trying to get to. In Nashville, we're all creative. You know, we want to be doing the things that we love on a daily basis. And and there's a bunch of people here trying to get out of their their restaurant and bar jobs to be able to wake up every day and pick up their guitar or their video camera or their 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 camera or whatever it is you know or or write songs or the list of all the things that you already know but it's pretty cool that we can do this i'm just walking in here you know these days i at 43 years old i get up every day and do exactly what i love to do you know i love to network i love meeting new people i love playing the guitar and that has been a great facilitator to be able to do that you know I love living in this town, man. Yeah, Nashville's where, where better else are you than ever. Go? Nashville's better than ever. Where, yeah, oh, uh, and locals that have been here a long time, like uh, you know, they want to, they want to complain about these little, uh, you know, uh, these minor little inconveniences that are just everyday life in any other real city around the world. But Nashville's Nashvilleians, if when we're inconvenienced at all, it's a big yeah, deal right. because it's always been so easy for so long. But like now I, I embrace it, takes it 20 minutes to get somewhere as opposed to 10. But if you live in LA, right. it'd be 45 minutes. Yeah, easy. I mean, go to go to any other city and you're like, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I love the growth. Um, I love all the new people that are moving here. We've got an unbelievable music scene with all the Neo soul and jazz and, and the hip hop and the pop music for the real pop music that's here. And, and rock and roll and all these great genres. Nashville has is is not really a boots and hats country town like it's was known for in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and even 90s, and even early 2000s. I mean, we've really like we've broken those walls down here lately, and it's it's awesome. I yeah, mean, right. I mean, all these heavy metal guys moving to buying farms in Franklin and Leapers Fork, like guys from Corn and. Megadeth and Metallica and all you know all these uh, bands that we never thought those guys would want to come hang out in this town. And now you know? they're all coming now to Nashville, it's all, right? It's amazing. Yeah, we're all here together. And yeah, everybody's loving it. You know, if you bought property here, you're you're doing good, and and life is good. You know? Yeah. Here's the thing that like I I've never understood understood about your playing is you never really came up. You never listened to Stones or Led Zeppelin or the Mm-mm. Beatles. Like that was never really your thing. I never learned any cover songs. You never learned any cover songs. Mm-mm. But I I really have never understood how you became such a vir- uh, like su- such a virtuosic player because you never had a teacher you were playing in bands but i would imagine that you quickly became the best guitar player in these bands that you were playing in and the other thing is even though i know you've spent endless time playing the guitar like most people who are as good as you are like you talk to them and they've got this like practice routine and they're like the scales and like they really know the shit like you don't know any of this stuff, but you're the best player in the room always, and like any room you walk into. Oh well, thanks. And it's just fascinating to me. Like, like I, I don't get how you became as good as you became. Is that fair to to say? Well, yeah, because it was very. Uh, and and looking back now, I mean, it 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 is. It, it's probably a little out of balance compared to most people, but I'm not going to change anything because I not knowing you know not having that really rigid 
approach or education early on to kind of you know form that mindset of of reading music off paper or learning a bunch of uh hard fast rules that are on paper versus listening it's very much like food how's it like like you you have a you have a recipe that you can stick to but once you become comfortable with that recipe then you're throwing in your own stuff you know you might want to you know, two pinches of this versus, uh, you know, a, a tablespoon to the, you know, measured out perfectly. And so, and then it's all subjective, like music, food, and art. Nobody can say that one person's wrong, but we have our taste, right? So it's an interesting thing, you know. It's not like um, an engineer that builds this table and goes, okay, man, look, if you put more than 20 pounds on this table, it's going to break. Okay, that's a hard, fast rule. But all these other things are like, you know, you're kind of you're kind of throwing a, a, a dart at the globe. You're, there's you, we can't say one person's wrong or right, but we yeah. kind of know in our minds since we're the ones doing it, you know what our favorite things are. But that again, that's just our own taste, you know. But I, mean, I don't understand because most guitar somebody players, somebody that thinks Pantera is the greatest band on the world and Dimebag Daryl was the greatest guitar player on the planet. Yeah, you know, th- yeah, those that that guy was amazing. That band is incredible for that genre of music. Now. I don't necessarily listen to that every day or or play like that whatsoever and everybody knows it but I can't sit here and go hey that that's terrible just because I might not it might not be my yeah. favorite. But like what I but think those is those hard fast yeah, yeah. rules that I grew up, you know, kind of avoiding because I wasn't good in school, my brain didn't work that way. I grew up in a family that loved real music and my uncle was a self-taught musician so I hung out with him after was school. Is he a good player? Yeah, he plays a bunch of different instruments. I learned to play with him after school. I was playing from early on, I was playing by ear, and I was playing with other people. So big difference, like being thrown into it. It was a very like sink or swim, like jump in with these guys and start playing, or like an, go to a bluegrass festival and if you got a circle of people or at a picking party. We used to call them picking parties, where there's a bunch of people in a big circle playing acoustic instruments, uh, singing songs, uh, playing fiddle tunes and bluegrass music, to where the inner circle is all the like hot pickers. And then the, the the each ring of the of the circle is is guys that are that are just might be learning and they're not ready to take a solo yet, so they're on the outskirts. And then the kids are on the far circles. Same thing at a blue. So would you festival. start out like when you were younger? You'd be out. Well, everybody does. And yeah. then over and, time, and, you kind and, of move into the circle. Each year, you're moving a little closer. A little closer. In. So now, then you're you know you're like 18 and you're the you're the you're the cat. There, but would you, know? you just be watching people play and get and, and listening and take a visual memory? Because there's no way you're you're figuring that stuff out in the moment. Like you, you have to no. watch them play and, and kind of go home and work on it. Right. Yeah. And I had, I had a, I was just a, a, absorbed by it. I mean, you know, all the great music from birth that you're hearing. So your ear and your feel is almost, you're absorbing this stuff before you even put your hands on the instrument, you know? And so by the time you put your hands on the instrument, your ear is already developed and has been developing since you could first hear anything, maybe even before you're actually born. You know, you're hearing sound and if you're in that environment, you know, like if you're in an, if you're in an, in an environment where your family aren't like fanatical music fans, you, you're probably not going to be around that much great music. But yeah. I was around it like it was a big part of our lives. And so our our family, our friends, um, you know, we didn't go to any parties that didn't revolve around music. So this was like an all, all the time thing. And then. um you know, so and then, of course, I had guys, you know, give me some pointers and then, 
I was learning stuff off of records back then. I'm 43, so I remember, you know, early kid, you know, having uh, cassette tapes, vinyl records. And then, of course, CDs came along. I'm actually old enough to be able to say that, which is a little crazy. But uh, and then we had VHS tapes where I had a couple instructional videos that like that one guy that told me to learn, you know, if you want to get to where you can learn the guitar fingerboard all the way up, learn your chord inversions. And that'll open up the whole thing. Yeah. Like the constellations start coming together. Who? What video? That wasn't the Dan Gannon video. It was a guy video. named Pat Flynn who used to play in a band called Newgrass Revival. Yeah. He was a session guy here, acoustic guitar player and songwriter. And uh, he opened it. And when I, for some reason, I, I it clicked with me. And, and either it was I saw that, that I needed to do that or it was what I was wanting to be able to do. And I did it when I was young enough to have time to do it. So now teaching all these thousands of people around the world, and I'm not a teacher, but it's my lack of education has proven to be a good way to teach because it, it, it gets rid of all the fat because I am a professional musician. I've made my living as a guitar player, so I know what works, and I see what my peers use and guys that I look up to use, and I've talked to them, and I know it's the same thing. I'm not, you know, this is, I'm not holding anything back. It's like this is what works, but it's up to you to take the time to do it if you want to if not no problem but this is the way to do it so i was lucky to get into it early on because i had time in my teenage years to be able to do it you know nobody now in their 40s 50s 30s 40s 50s 60s 70s nobody's got time to to devote to doing it yeah you know and you're learning quicker when you're younger like that you're like a sponge you're picking up everything you know yeah but here's the thing that i think is funny is like i feel like every guitar player who wants to play like guthrie trap is spending a lot of time transcribing your solos, but that's not really how you learned how to do it. Like you didn't spend mm-hmm. a ton of time. No, you're going to get ideas transcribing from that. solos, right? Yeah, you, you'll you'll get you'll get licks from that. Yeah. So licks licks are like giving a guy fish or teaching him how to fish. Like if 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 I teach you a bunch of licks, you're just going to be able to use that one lick in that one spot in that one musical situation or song or chord progression or chord change or transition or whatever it is. And you're going to get locked into like, oh, when that comes up, I can do this versus, oh, now I know this bag of tricks and this or these fundamentals rather. Now I can create my own improv and I can tailor every phrase I'm doing to truly improvising in real time, no matter what the chord change is yeah. and what the rhythm is and what but the what's, time is. What's the difference? Because I still feel like even if you're Well, kind of... you can tell when people are playing who sat around and learned a bunch of licks yeah. and is just inserting those in. Versus a guy that's truly creating in the moment and has freedom on the instrument to improvise. Because you know, he knows the triads. There. and the... There's a flow to it. Yeah. 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 And it's not always perfect because you are pushing the boundaries. But you know what it is? It's energetic. And it's living and breathing. Yeah. And that's what translates to people with music. Nobody gives a shit how you got there as long as you got there. Yeah. When you go to a session in Nashville, nobody's ever asked me, uh, hey man, can you bring your diploma with you? Because we want to see that you graduated Berkeley. Yeah. Or, you know, a lot of times you tell somebody you right, went to right. music school here, they not they're not going to hire yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Because these guys know that you're playing from your brain and not from your balls. Yeah, right, you right. Know? Yeah. And you can edit that part out. No, we're no, know? no, we're going to leave it in. But I understand. Or, or your heart. You or were, whatever. You were it never is, into you know? like Jimmy Page, or you never. You always say this. This is like a Guthrie Trap cliche. You never listen to any of this stuff. I don't understand this stuff. Is so well, awesome the, to me. Well, the only the only reason I say that is because a lot of times when you ask. I'm not bragging or complaining with any of this. I'm just telling you how it is for me. This is all just my own opinions and and definitely have one, right? So 
But, you know, um, so many guitar players and musicians in general, when you ask them how you got into this, they say, oh, I heard the Beatles on Ed Sullivan's show yeah. and it changed my life. Or I heard Led Zeppelin and Van I, Halen. I, I couldn't, you know, live without it or Van Halen or whatever it is. These iconic, um, uh, life-changing, influential bands of all time. Jimi Hendrix, whoever. Um, but for the most part, it's Led Zeppelin and the Beatles are like the two big If you're a guitar guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. guitar guy. And so I didn't really know the significance of those bands when I was growing up. Uh, and I didn't definitely didn't know any of the songs. I mean, you know, but by osmosis, you, you know, you can't help but to not hear that music. Because I've heard you play Led Zeppelin. Like, you did you're a gonna, you're Led gonna, Zeppelin thing. You sound killer. Yeah, and you're going to hear some. Well, thanks. I don't know what that was when I was in that environment. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, in some of the Beatles songs, you, you're going to end up knowing some of that stuff just because it's around. There's so much like Hall & Oates. You can't go anywhere without hearing Hall & Oates. So even if you think you've never heard Hall & Oates, you've heard them a million times. Yeah, in right, right. Every restaurant and bar and grocery store and Walgreens and wherever your adult contemporary music is played, you've heard this music. But I didn't ever learn any of that stuff. I, was, I, I never was inspired or influenced by it growing up. It was more bluegrass, roots music, uh, Bob Dylan, Van Morrison, John Prine, Nashville Guys like Sam Bush, Jerry Douglas, Mark O'Connor, um, you know Johnny Cash, real country, real country music, but but very little country music. I didn't really learn how to play country music until I came here and started playing with Don Kelly. Yeah, and I was still playing the Telecaster on the Gulf Coast and knew who Danny Gatton and guys like that were. But what were like but I, th this? Is what this? Is what I, I played understand. a lot of original music because there was a bar on the Gulf Coast called the Florabama Lounge and Package, which many of you listening here know about, and they had a. Uh, the guy started it in 1964. He just passed away, uh, Joe Gilchrist. Or you know, I've known him for my whole life. And my aunt was the accountant for the club for 40 years or something. So when I was a kid, 12 years old, my dad used to take me out there on the weekends, and I'd sit in with bands, blues bands, and 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 grab the guitar, and the guy would come up and you know turn the volume all the way up, and I was scared to death. But that's jumping in in real time and having to do something. It's so a sink or swim, you know. Uh, but the Floribama Lounge had a had a every November they had the Frank Brown International Songwriters Festival. It was that the Floribama Club was about twenty minutes from where my mom and dad lived in the house my dad built that I grew up in. So we'd drive out there, and uh, and we'd we'd play with all these songwriters. And it was like Hank Cochran, Red Lane, Mickey Newberry, uh, Gove Scrivener, Larry John Wilson, Rock Kilo, Carl Jackson, Jerry Sally. And Dean Dillon and all the big writers in Nashville at that time, they would all come down and do this festival because it was on the beach. It's a, you want to get a musician out of town, take him take him to a great destination. Yeah, right. You want to do a songwriters festival in Key West versus Omaha. Yeah, I'm in. Right. And so we'd go down to the Floribama and do, or, or we'd go out to the Floribama for the songwriters festival. So that was our, that was my like link to original music, and playing with songwriters and learning how to kind of not play on the vocals and phrase in between vocals, which is a big deal. Nashville teaches you it's all about the song. Uh, it doesn't always, it doesn't start with the song. It also ends with the song. But so, um, wait, does it start with the song? You know, that bumper sticker, it all starts with a song. Well, it, yeah, it all ends. It all. Yeah. Yeah. Like right. At right. At the end of the day, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. about the song, no matter how long you're here. And so that was our that was my big link to that. So it was original music, and that was the my direct link to Nashville. And so one night I was in the pool hall, a pool room back there, like the backstage area during Frank Brown, who was the janitor by there, old old uh, 
black man who was like in his 80s that was a janitor at the Floribama for a long, long, long time. And yeah. he, he passed away. He was dearly loved by everybody, and they named the festival after him. So that's that story. But um, Carl Jackson and some of those guys were in the in the um, uh, pool room, and I was like 17, 18 years old, and those guys were like, uh, they went, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, and they go, hey, you know, you really should think about uh, moving to Nashville. You yeah, know? and, and I, you said, well, am I supposed to just pack up and move to Nashville? That's exactly what I said. You remember the story. So and, I and they said, them, yeah. And I went, I went, hey, man, you know, what am I supposed to do? Just pack, pack my bags and move up there? And they went, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what you do. We did it with three kids, you know? And that's, I'm like, yeah. So then a couple years later, I did. I I, uh, I moved I moved up there because the Gulf Coast is cool, but as you all know, there's, there's not a, you know, you're going to play uh, Jimmy Buffett songs. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you're going to do that for a long time and drink yourself to death eventually you know yeah or i probably would have but you know when did you like like because i i feel like you gotta know that you're a great guitar player did you become do you feel like you became really exceptional playing in the don kelly band or was it on the coast like when when did you start to feel like yeah like did you become better than your uncle pretty quickly and then i mean you know the everybody's kind of on island time down there on the gulf coast so people's playing even though a lot of guys were really good you're not around a lot of guys down there that are that are working on getting better or anything like that. There, if you're down there, you're playing in beach bars and you've kind of like you've kind of had your heyday, or you're not going to, or you you don't want to, or whatever. But you're down there to to be on island time, right? It's casual. So when I moved to Nashville, I saw these guys that are that on fire. I mean, you know, there's people here learning and, and wanting to get better and, and like realizing that, Hey man, if you don't like, this is the, you know, this is guitar town you know, on planet earth. This is where you come if you're a guitar player. I mean, and, and it has nothing to do with country. I mean, we have guys like Jack Pearson and Pat Burgesson and of course, Tom Bukovac, uncle Larry, who's another worldly musician. And, you know, these guys that are influenced by rock and roll and, and, um, and jazz and, and uh and and blues and all this other music uh and so you can't live in a town like this if you're paying attention at all and not become better as a musician even if you didn't pick up your instrument for 20 years you're going to become a better musician just by being around all this shit and i'm not talking about uh uh whiskey jam i'm talking about going out and finding the real high and musical nutrient music that's going on in this town yeah, you know, but and but you had to be. But I, what I'm going to tell you, like when I when I was younger, you know, to get the facility down, and 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 there's a lot of things that I'd like to be able to do that I can't do, uh, some techniques that I didn't learn. Was early that classical on. guitar? Do you ever want to play classical guitar? No, not no. really. No. What but, what but, you know, what what is it that that you want to do that you feel like you can't rock, do? Some of the rock, some of the rock in inspired stuff, like some of the uh, really fast, like that Eric Johnson kind of. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You know the stuff that like Bonamassa does it, and 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 Eric Johnson, where it's really, it's really fast, but it's picked. It's not sweep yeah. picking or hammer-ons. It's direct picking. Yeah, it's very uh, up and down technique, which but, is, is weird that I can't do it because bluegrass is very much like that. But you really gotta lighten up your your touch, <laughs> just a little, uh, just, just a little foundation uh, explosion. Did we there. just explode? What just yeah, happened? There's yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a yeah, there's a construction up. <laughs> The, but anyway, I mean, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. Not to get too, I don't want this to be such a serious conversation, but, um, but, uh, God forbid. Yeah, I can't remember. Before the building exploded, what was the question before that? <laughs> I don't remember. What, what can you, like, what? Oh, the what, sweep, the, 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 the really the, fast, like, you really um, want to do that, though? Because I really get the sense that that's not that well, important to you. I, I kind of want to 
just do it to know I can do it. Really? I feel like if that was the case, you would do it. Well, yeah, I guess maybe that's it. I mean, I don't know. I'd probably, you know, it's like... Is it a Piers thing? Like, do you feel insecure around other players? No, I don't. Like, yeah, you're the the best. I'm really comfortable in my skin now, finally, for a change most days. Really? Yeah, yeah, because I've been here a long time, and I've got my view of success is not only being able to make a good living doing this, which is, I've been very lucky, but also... Uh, when I'm on my deathbed, I think that I'll be able to say, look, if you gain the respect of the people you respect, then you're successful. So I was able to move here. And for some crazy reason, I got to work with all my childhood heroes, you know, like all the guys my parents listened to that I looked up to that moved me musically. And I think going back to your question about when did I realize that I might have actually had some sort of natural talent or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know what you want to call it. Maybe it's just you're a product of your environment and you picked something up and worked at it. Do you feel you know? like you worked harder but what than I most? Felt, what I felt was was not like, hey, I'm really good at this. It wasn't that, and I still don't think that way because if you're aware of what you're doing in the music industry at all, you know that you're never going to get there. It's always a learning curve and a learning path. And so, But what I did, what I was able to do was realize that music was making me feel something. And that is when I was like, okay, I'm hooked on this. This is fun. And then all the other shit that goes along with it is just a bonus, you know? Yeah. But like when you, when you put on anybody that puts on music, whether they can play and play an instrument or not, if you're just a music fanatic and it moves you, then you're, you're lucky to be able to feel that, you know? Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. Do you feel like you worked harder than most people at guitar. I didn't work wor- worth a shit at it. This is the know? thing that blows my mind, Guthrie, because I always get this vibe that you never worked that hard at it. I still don't work and that hard still work, at but it. You re- but you're like one of the best. I, I, don't, just, I just started... How'd, pro- how'd you get so good? I don't get it. Because I played a lot. You just played a lot. Yeah. Played a lot. Live? Like like in bands? Yeah. Like that was it? Never did anything else for a living. I always made my, mu- my living playing the guitar. I have a hard time learning on a gig, though. Like I have to learn before the gig... Well, yeah, and I can try it out at the gig. Right, It's right. hard to learn something on the gig, though, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not necessarily trying to learn anything on the gig. I'm working, might try working out an idea on the gig. But you got to be careful because you don't want to be disrespectful to the music. So if I, you know, I, I, I always say this, because I am kind of a seat-of-the-pants kind of dude, I'm lucky, man. I'm lucky, dude. Hopefully the crane doesn't fall <laughs> on me on the way out of here. But, but you know, I'm, you know, I have been very lucky, you know, and so... Uh, what I was going to say was, um, what, what were we just talking about? We were just talking about how I feel like, and I've spent a lot of time with you. So you, oh, oh, this is what I always say. Yeah, yeah. I always say music is to be treated with the utmost respect, but not overthought, yeah. which is almost in a way disrespecting it to me. I mean, I look at this stuff in a real, almost spiritual way, which I'm not religious or anything, but I mean, I, I the, the music is such an important thing, but you can take the life out of it in a heartbeat. If you overthink it and, and you're trying to make a math problem out of it or, you know, uh, and I understand like a lot of I love a lot of uh, electronic music and modern music and stuff like that. I'm not listening to, you know, banjos every day, but, um, you know, and I understand that that music has to be lined up to a grid and all this all this stuff. I understand that. I'm like, like not archaic and thinking like that. But, you know, you can also take the life out of out of it, you know, 
and and it, it's meant to have some life and some energy you know and that's why i like a lot of like man like when i get up in the morning you know sometimes i'll put on some jazz uh sometimes i'll put on some bluegrass uh sometimes i'll put on you know some old great songs bob dylan van morrison jackson brown some of my favorite songwriters but man sometimes i'll put on uh uh, Miami poolside chill yeah, we were Pandora just radio to that coming in you know, yeah where I'm like it, it yeah. kind of that music kind of it, it's created to make people feel energy and want to and want to that's why when you hear that music you want to go get a cocktail and start partying yeah right right they don't call it Miami poolside chill radio for nothing yeah. you know so I put that shit on the morning have a little coffee and I, I'm I'm getting kind of pumped up you know it's not all guitar 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 right you know I, I listen to a lot of different kinds of music and I think the more music you listen to and you're open to and you're not threatened by, the more you're going to have your own voice. And so I've had a lot of people tell me like, hey, man, you, you're not a session guy. You, you can't go in and sound like 15 different people on one song. And that bothered me for like four years here. And then I got over it and I became much more comfortable in my own skin and realized like, okay. And then also my career and stuff started to kind of, take on a little bit a, a little bit of a different turn but um i'm happy with the fact that when somebody says they can they hear me they they know who it is you know there's an identity there, yeah. which I, i'm proud of that you know and i'm grateful that those guys think that because i look up to them like these are guys that i was talking about on these records that i was looking at their names on the credits when i was a kid and the next thing you know now i'm at their house or we're on a session together or we're on the road or not to mention being coming really good friends with guys like john and billy gibbons and john oates and work with dennis quaid here and we go to his house for his birthday party and like this is like stuff that you go i'm, I'm still after being here for 22 years i'm pitching myself going is this real is this real life like we're really we're here with with this guy like this, yeah this could easily be a dream you yeah know, it might like, be hey we took billy gibbons to franz last day in east nashville like in we hung with sean brock flipping the hamburgers in the mud outside in the rain and we're going i'm like going this is like, this is too weird, man. You know, yeah. but, but, but in Nashville, this is the shit that happens when you've lived yeah. here a long time. It's not time. even that weird. No, it's like, you, but, but it, but it's not, it's not meant to be um, bragged about or anything, but it's also not meant to be diminished either. It, it, there's a, there's a happy medium with all this shit. And I'm a shameless self promoter because I'm here to c continue doing this until I've squeezed every drop of juice out of the lemon and then when somebody tells me that's it you're done then i you know i'll keep working even harder but yeah you know the like i said the guitar is one thing and if i worked at it like eight or ten hours a day i'd be really incredible but was there ever a time where you spent that much time working but i also it? like to have fun and yeah. there's more to life than just music even though it is a very precious thing and i don't want to lose that spontaneous kind of fire even if i show up tonight and go to the gig and i make I taught a lesson earlier, and the guy goes, man, do you ever make any mistakes when you're playing? And I go, dude, tonight when I go play with my trio, I'm going to make a mistake on every song to me. Yeah. Now, the audience might not think it was unless it's something really bad, but I'm going to keep pushing until that shit is hanging right here and almost falling apart because that's when the good stuff happens. Yeah, Jerry Douglas taught you that, right? I learned a lot from him about that. And yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So... Okay, wait. So you can tell I've had a lot of coffee today. I'm, I'm have like, you had a lot I'm, of coffee? I'm amped up. Well, I'm do I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm feeling inspired also because I finally got back into um, uh, to putting some content consistently on my YouTube. Yeah, channel. you put a video up today about double stops, right? Yeah, yeah. Today or yesterday, 
and and man it's it's starting to kind of hit good again and i'm getting really inspired about i had a good talk with the girl that helps me do my social media and stuff and i for some reason i've embraced that and seeing that like if you're not going to be out there touring which i want to do with the trio and we'll be doing more of that we've ran this whole thing from a computer or a phone for years here like the instagram and all that stuff which is not earth shattering but it's good it's a good steady growth and all the people that are on there are there for a reason but just these little guitar things like education and the touring and all of it have kind of it's 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 morphed into a pretty good situation where it's good people good music good money comfortable living situation good travel i mean all those things are like you know at, at the end of the day man that that you know it's pretty pretty good yeah yeah, yeah, the artist nice. works thing. It's is nice. That, is that the, the artist work stuff? And I'm not trying to sit here and pat myself on the back by any means, but you know, it, it's good, man. I mean, I I don't I couldn't imagine going out, and there's nothing wrong with this because I I I did this early on when I lived here, but I always was playing really high quality music because I'm too stubborn to not do that. So I'm not gonna go out on the road with any music that I can't get behind. The people, you know, the music, the, the the money. Nashville's not famous for amazing paying gigs on the road with new upcoming country artists. Let's just get real. Nashville's also not well known for musicians standing up for themselves and having some negotiating so? leverage. Yeah, you... absolutely. Yeah, if you don't hear anything else from this podcast, hear that. Yeah, you never if really musicians stood up for themselves and demanded their value. But you got to have some value. And you got to be able to you What know, does that mean? Do you mean like it's crazy how a guy you, could play stadiums gotta, and his guitar player makes 1000 bucks or 100 bucks? You got to be able to night. bring something to the table, but what you really have to be able to do is be willing to walk away. It's like buying a car. You know? You got to be willing to walk away and go, "You know what, man? I'm out of here." And if they really want you there, Maybe hopefully they'll pay you what you think you deserve or what you do deserve. But most of the time, it's people playing parts off records out on the road and they're young and they're kind of like the carrot is dangled with the tour bus and like, hey, man, tour buses are disgusting unless they're <laughs> brand new, you know. And so, I mean, I hate to say that I'm, I'm going to get probably roasted for half the shit I'm saying here on this podcast. But, I'm, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm comfortable enough now to where if Music Row ceased to exist right now, there's a lot of people here whose lives it wouldn't affect. I mean, you know, not everything in Nashville is based on what happens down on Music Row or, or wherever these places yeah. are located now, Berry Hill or whatever. So there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. You know, you don't have to do it the 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 um the the way that it's been done for such a long time here you know the incubatory you know okay we've got a we've got somebody doing really great headlining uh stadiums and then we're going to put five people on under them and this guy that's down here on the third tier is going to be the second tier next year and then he's going to be headlining next year it's like that's why it's so hard to find good help here like i've been asking you man introduce me to some young hustlers that i can work with and and learn from management, you know, these kind of things, because there's only a few people here that are qualified to steer anybody and help somebody's career. That's any sort of outside the box at all. If it's that, 
they, there's a million people here that know how to do that because it's a step-by-step process. But take something a little bit outside the box, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, right, right. I got Josh you Ronstein know. for you. He's doing a good job, right? Great. John, he, he's, I he's love, a the, New Yorker, I love the fact that he's in New York he's City. A, he's a New I York City it. kid. Everybody, everybody I work with, you know, I like them to be in, uh, in up in New York because you know what? These they're no bullshit and they and they're hustlers, man. That guy works so freaking hard. Hey, what's the story with uh first time you met John Oates, he just gave you his guitar. Is that true? <clears throat> yeah, I was uh I, I went to Telluride, Colorado for the first time when I was thirteen. Me and my dad rode the train halfway there and hitchhiked the rest of the way up to go to this guitar no contest way. at Telluride. And we also knew that, you know, Sam Bush was a big part of it and all this great music. Talk about an amazing destination. So then years later, I started playing with Jerry Douglas, the famous uh, resonator dobro uh, guitar player from Allison Krauss Union Station and everybody and tons of records and whatever. So anyway, end up working with Jerry and for like six or seven years in my early to mid 20s, late kind of my, my 20s. And then um, so we played Telluride every year. We played like six Telluride bluegrass festivals shows in, in a row. And uh, we were out there one year, and I ended up on the stage with, like, 20 people, Sam Bush, like, the late-night jam, closer of the festival. Like, I'm all the way over to the – I always go to the stage right when I'm playing because I can look at everybody else's hands and see what they're doing <laughs> and, go, you know, kind of, you know, vibe around that. Figure if somebody it out, goes yeah. down here, I go up here. If they go up here, I go down there. And I, a lot of times I don't know the songs, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I can kind of cheat by seeing their hands. So I'm over on the right. So Oates is all the way on the left. And he had, you know, he's been living in Aspen off and on for 20 years in Nashville for 10. And so he's just hanging out in Telluride. You know, it's right down the road, basically. So Oates is over here. I'm over here. I don't know who Hall and Oates are. See, this to me is so weird that you're, I don't you're know so who this guy is, you're right? so musically intelligent in some ways. In some ways, you've got these like dark holes oh, my, in your musical knowledge. My history to, is horrible. To me, that's so weird, Guthrie. It my, doesn't make any my sense. My music history is horrible. Doesn't horrible. make any sense. You've never heard of Hall and Oates, but you knew them, right? Like, like you said a second well, ago, yeah. you actually knew. You, well, of course, you knew them. Uh, yeah, because I've I've heard Maneater a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've heard these songs. You know. Anyway, but, but I cut you I, off. I so I didn't know because that was like so off of what my parents listened to growing up. Yeah, right, right. right. You know? There was no top forty radio or anything. Anyway, we talked about that, but but like, okay, so the end of the jam session, I take a long guitar solo, some reggae song, and then Oates takes a guitar solo and then a few other, you know a bunch of other people every instrument and then at the end of the thing i'm walking off the stage down the steps and he's down there at the bottom standing next to sam and jerry and um and i walk down there and he just hands this guitar to me and i get and i said i go what was it it was like a um it was some kind of uh pensacer or a schecter or some kind of crazy guitar it was nice and so he goes uh, he goes, hey man, I don't know who you, who you are, but I, I want you to have this. I don't know what to do with it anymore. Of course, he's you know, it's kidding, but he's paying me a not really nice compliment. And I said, I said, man, I don't know who you are, but I'm not taking that thing. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I don't know who is this guy. And Sam and Jerry are back there going, take the guitar, take the guitar. So I took the guitar, and uh, and so that was that. But and then me and him ended up working together. The next day, he goes, he goes, hey man, why don't you come over to the to the condo and we'll sit around and pick a little bit. Yeah. And so I did. We played a couple Doc Watson songs. I learned that he loves, uh, you know, Blind Blake and Doc Watson and Reverend Gary Davis and all these amazing, um, you know, blues and and 
you know, finger pickers and stuff like that. So we played a bunch and then we started working together, man. That was like, shit, man. That was probably 16, 17 years ago. Well, now he's one of my best friends. I mean, what I was happening there when he gives you the guitar? Like, like what's he saying? I like this kid. Yeah, either that was, or what I was It's kind of a weird thing, isn't well, it? what I always joke about was I was like, man, he just didn't want to drive back to Aspen with that guitar. <laughs> he just, you know, it's like, hey, man, I, you know. He was offloading his here, trash here, on you, here, basically. Here, take this, because I don't want to even carry it back to the to the car. To you know? the car. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, he would probably, you know, I'm just kidding, really, but who knows. But um, I think it was, either way, he was paying me a nice compliment, and of course, I really appreciate that. But um, it's just funny that I end up playing with that guy and becoming, you know, really good friends, because I didn't know who they were back then, you know? And of course, now I, I know. Now I know, of course, but... And then um, getting, you know, the Billy Gibbons thing was completely out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. How um, had that friendship and happen? St- and still working with guys like Sean Camp and those guys that are just, I mean, people here need to know who those guys are because they're they're so talented. It's just unbelievable. Pat McLaughlin, Sean Camp, you know, kind of that whole. There's a crew here that's kind of like that other level, raw talent, unarguable freakishly good yeah stuff like bring tears to your eyes kind of talent you know and it's chris stapleton sean camp jesse alexander john randall um you know uh pat mclaughlin uh, do you think billy still like has that. it Does billy still sounds great guys, when he plays? You know, john and i mean guys that are writing amazing songs yeah right they right can play they can play their instrument they can sing and they can write so they've got like this trifecta that a lot of times you got a guy that's a you got you go to you know LA or something to write songs or New York and you've got a melody guy, a track guy, three lyricists, a programmer, you know, I mean you've got six or seven people doing what one person can do here in this town, you know. I mean and again, I know that all has its place and there's a million pe- here people will be go but yeah, but you don't understand like blah blah blah. blah. And I go, "Well, yeah, well take your iPhone and go sit over there and play me a song that you just wrote yesterday. Well, those guys I just mentioned can do it. Yeah, right, right. It'll blow your mind. Yeah. Like freakishly great songs. Yeah, yeah. That aren't on the radio because they're too good for that. So uh, I'm going to get roasted. This is the end. This is the last interview I'll ever do here in Nashville. No, th- I, I'm gonna have to th- move. This is this is what makes you. <laughs> I'm gonna you. have to move after this. Wait, wait, <laughs> I don't but care anymore. How, because... how is is Billy still a great guitar player when you play oh with my Billy? God, Billy's is he outrageous. Incredible. He's yeah. unbelievable, right? He's a pioneer. Those guys are the thing about. Here's the thing that most people don't realize. It's not like a shred fest. If you want shredding and and fast, uh, really um, impressive shit, then go to TikTok or Instagram and have fun for the next 50 years watching every kid around the world play the most unbelievable stuff on the planet in their bedroom after they've either tweaked it or not but put them on stage with a band and and let them go and then let's see how many can hang with the cats and who can't you know and so there's that but there's also the fact that bb king had two licks Albert King had three licks. It's like, but those guys were innovators. Billy Gibbons is an innovator, man. I mean, he's going to slow roll it with some killer rhythm and, you know, lead lines and tones and stuff like that and groove and pocket. He's an innovator. 
the, there wouldn't be certain things if it wasn't for Lagrange and yeah. that Tejas. You know, that, even his, his like his pinch harmonic technique. I mean, all that's that crazy, stuff, right? Man, that's where it came from. It's like the guy's seventy-two years old, so the world is different because of that guy in the guitar world. The songwriting and pop world is different because of Hall and Oates being here. So. Who cares if the guy can run uh, a marathon anymore? They already did it, you know? Yeah, right, right. They don't need to anymore. Yeah. You know? They've already changed the world. They've done it. What do you guys talk about, though? Like, like I, I bet Billy you know loves we, hanging out with you. You know what me and Billy talk about? Yeah. Last time I was on the phone with Billy, he was telling me about this uh, crunchy peanut butter that he found from New Zealand. And the next day, I get a box on my front porch, and it's two jars of this peanut butter. Is it good? It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's a, yeah, it's fine. He's like me. He's a peanut butter fanatic. Me but, too. But, I want to try this peanut butter. This new, that's wh- what I eat in the morning. Banana, apple. A little bit of peanut uh, butter? Uh, uh, honey crisp apple, which are there any other kind? And then- I got to uh, try this. I got I to gotta try. I mean- I got to try this peanut not, butter. If you're not what eating is, honey crisp apples, peanut butter. What's the, the peanut butter? It's called Pix, believe it or not. It's really? P-I-C, apostrophe S, Pix peanut butter, and it's from New Zealand- and it's it's really good. Is it the best peanut butter? Is it really it's good? It's really good. I, I get this. Other, <laughs> I, I go to a place called the Turnip Truck here. Yeah, in you Nashville. get the Barney's. I, I call, sometimes I call it the Radish Wagon. Yeah, but I go to the Turnip Truck and I get peanut butter and company crunchy peanut butter. And it doesn't have the. I don't think it's that. It's not loaded with sugar, but it also doesn't have the annoying oil. Yeah. That you have to stir in oh, for it's awful. three days. I, I'll never do that again that, in my life. That's a food holocaust. I forget that. The uh, yeah. The- <laughs> It, you, you, you know, you open up a jar of peanut butter. The last thing you want to do is spend the next four Mi- hours mixing the oil. It. It's horrible. So Pix has it's a good, a has record. no oil? No oil. No and oil So does Pix. Peanut Butter and Company. No oil. No, Just yeah. good crunchy peanut butter. But yeah. So we'll talk about everything, man. He loves he loves food and, and, uh, and you know, and of course, um, still excited about guitars. Oats, the same way. Great. You know, super smart guys on top of it looking you know still looking ahead it's it's 70 years old yeah you, you know? know you know what's crazy is they're not burnt rock and roll casualty burnouts like no some like they're still guys. in it well they're, for one thing they're still alive yeah and they're excited about music i mean john calls me all the time hey man you got to try this new pickup or this new thing or this thing he cares about it way more than i do i, I don't get into that stuff as much but uh billy saying man dude you, have you tried that he's constantly sending me these pedals and and uh, just amazing books and all this stuff. I, I, every two or three days, I get a new package on my Isn't front that the porch. Best? God, it's I amazing. I'm like, dude, what, who, what, what's going on here? It's crazy. I want to get to that level. But they're so interesting because here's the thing that I've learned about guys like that, and and uh, that are that are really legendary and they're super successful, and they've been hanging out with really brilliant people their whole lives. Like unless they're just a total. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I like to call them rock and roll casualties. You know, guys that just, you know, they either did too many drugs and they're just kind of fried or they're just not that smart or whatever it is. But these guys, you know, Gibbons and Oates being two, the two that I know the, the best, and there's others too, of course, but they've spent the majority of their lives hanging out with people that are also extremely successful and extremely smart in tons of other genres of uh, of of work. I mean, you know, race cars, uh, you know, both of those guys being into cars, you know, financial people, uh, real estate. I mean, not not just that, but like everything, traveling, 
uh, food, culture, all these things, you know. And so it just it enables them to to learn a lot and be, you know, they're absorbing all this stuff, too. You know, and it starts happening like the more successful you get, you're 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 the people that you're hanging out with are really successful. They're really smart. And you that stuff starts rubbing off and it becomes this kind of snowball effect of. You know, you might not be hanging out so much with the guy that's just at the bar every night anymore. Yeah, right, right. You're 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 now you're starting to move into this yeah, other they're... other world. And, I, you know, for good, bad or indifferent, I, I like that. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I had Billy on the podcast. I'm learning a lot from those guys. Like that. Is, so, like, I had Billy on the podcast. And he said something to me afterwards. Like, we were talking afterwards when we stopped recording. And I wish I had this on recordings. But he basically said that when he was coming up, like, there was the draft. Mm-hmm. And all of his friends that were in his first band got drafted to go into the war. Wow. And, I, and I said to him, I said, Billy, like, like, weren't you worried about getting drafted? Or, like, how come you didn't get drafted? And he said to me with the most convincing face ever he said i wasn't getting drafted he said there's no way i was gonna go to the war i wasn't getting drafted and the way he said it mm-hmm. was just like he like he was like i'm not going there's no way i'm going and that confidence is like what gets you to become a legend right, right like i right. feel like he had the mentality yeah. in everything he did he was like i'm gonna become a rock star right 100 he knew right. he was like there's no way i was gonna go to the war he was like there was no way i was getting drafted he was Man. like I, I was fighting to the end he's like there's no way i was gonna go to that war he is such an interesting guy man i mean so interesting the way he writes an email or a text message or he's got his jacket with when he goes out he looks just like billy gibbons yeah whether he's wearing his pajamas or his nudie suit or whatever it is you know he told me he said man the only time i can go out is on halloween which we were in east nashville one halloween he goes the only night i can go out is halloween because everybody thinks i'm dressed up as billy gibbons nobody bothers me but uh he's got the coat with the with the uh, the, the the business cards in here that say friend of Eric Clapton and his notepad with his logo on it where he, he'll write you a note and give that to you and his sunglasses with the selfie and he'll do the whole thing and he'll stay till the end of the night taking photos and talking to people. I've seen him do it a, a bunch over here. You know, I'll take him to East Nashville. He comes to the underdog where I'm playing tonight. I know this is airing tomorrow, but it's Monday. And so um, uh, we're going to go do that. But, you know, just an incredible guy. His whole thing is... He's on it. He's on top of it. Yeah. You know? So okay. So we're running out of time here. Here's the thing. We've learned a lot here about Guthrie, mm-hmm. and we need to talk. Don't about, hold any of it against me. We're not gonna hold any of it against you. <laughs> and uh, and first of all, uh, ArtistWorks, ArtistWorks dot com, the country mm-hmm. guitar course. Yeah, yeah. You can get some first rate lessons. Um, do you, by, I like to say uh, taught by a professional, not a professor. Taught by a professional, not a professor. Mm-hmm. The YouTube channel as well, Guthrie Trap. I'm easy YouTube, to find. Just easy Guthrie to find. Trap. Instagram, T R A P P. The second P silent. He's on. He's on the road. No, uh, no extra charge for the second P. Mm-hmm. He's on the road right now with John Oates. Mm-hmm. The other. What else the, you got going the on? Guthrie Trap. Uh, the trio. We got Guthrie the trio. Trap Trio every Monday night at the Underdog. We do that, and then we're gonna. We've been doing. I've been doing some recording with uh, some songs that me and uh, Uncle Larry. You Tom do a Bukovac new record? Put out. Or putting out, yeah. I'm gonna be doing a new record. Uh, I'm working with Billy some and with John and um, uh, some still with Sean Camp and some of those things. Teaching a lot, growing this this YouTube channel and just trying to help people learn yeah. in a organic way, like I learned. You know, what's the deal with Rick Beato? Why is why is that guy such a? He's amazing, man. He's he, unreal, isn't he? He knows exactly what he's doing, 
And I think people were just ready for, for that, you know, no bullshit. Um, and he's not just teaching one thing. His, his channel, oh my God, his information is, it's infotainment. So he's appealing to housewives that don't play an instrument, that just want to go, oh, wow, he's got Sting on here, or he's going to tell us why this song is great, or there's the top 20 acoustic guitar intros of all time. or He's unreal. Or whatever. He's, he can go in so many different directions, and he's, he's hard to argue with because he knows so much about what he's doing. You know, he's he's he's, he's it's incredible. Unreal. If you haven't seen the the so the video that made everything go viral for him, it's his son, was right? His son, who was like six years old and a and a perfect pitch and could call out individual notes of anything he played on the piano. He would take all ten fingers and play these not even chords on the piano, and his son would go uh, A flat C D. Yeah, it was like these clusters. E, F and 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 he would he could hear all of it. Which if you don't. No, that is freakishly, insanely talented, or yeah. gifted, or whatever. Yeah, like but it's I not say, normal. Man, what what? But like I say, it's not. I don't know if it's so much that you're blessed, or it's a God given talent, or it's uh, you're lucky, or if it's this, or if it's that. I, I, you know, I, I'm kind of a dude that like I need to see that. You know, there's this is tangible stuff here, and so. I think that you're a product of your environment. You know, I mean, if you, if you grow up around a dude like Rick Beata, you're, you're going to be high level music in tune, intuitive, feeling it, whatever you want to call it. And so I don't know, man, I'm not arguing with anybody that says we're born with it, but I think that's a little bit of a, uh, uh, kind of a cop out. Here's what I think too. People don't want to be around anything that threatens them or their ability. You got to be a real strong person to look something better than you in the face and be okay with it. The last thing you want me doing is coming here and going, hey man, I just did so-and-so's podcast. It's amazing. You're not going to believe the studio they had and the herbs yeah, right, right. and yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the greeters and it was amazing. It was yeah, like yeah. being at a hotel. You're going to go, dude, shut up. <laughs> I don't want to hear about that. This is my podcast. Yeah, right, Nobody right. Nobody wants to, I don't talk to John Oates about Billy Gibbons and Billy Gibbons about John Oates. They don't want to hear about what I'm doing with that other guy. Yeah. They want to hang, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, You got to be, I know exactly what you mean. You got to kind of have some social and and awareness about how all this stuff kind of works. Yeah. I say that being the biggest loudmouth, opinionated person in most rooms. Guthrie's a big social awareness guy. But, you know, I mean, you got to kind of know. Yeah, I mean, you know. I don't know where I was going with that. I had a really good point, and then I completely Oh, my lost God. It. We lost the point? What were we talking about? We were talking about uh, uh, Rick Beato, his cu- his son, oh. who's a genius. And the and Product of Nature versus nurture. What- yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, you got to be, you know, if you've... To, to, you know, if somebody comes up to me and goes, man, you know, cool gig you're doing here at the Underdog, but, man, I just saw blah, 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 down at the so-and-so. It was way and better. It was so good. It was amazing. I go, okay, great. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Good for them. No. But nobody wants to be... What was we're the all point? insecure yeah, yeah. enough to where, you know, we, we don't want to hear... A, it's terrifying to see somebody... That's why you got to be real careful about this social media stuff because, like I said earlier, we can I can go here and find a 10 yeah. million people right now that are doing stuff that I'll, I'll never be able to do. Okay, I don't need to see that. 
Yeah. What I need to do and what a lot of other people need to do, in my opinion, is they need to use this, but put it down, put your head down, put one foot in front of the other, find what you love to do and what you're good at and just keep yeah. doing it. And don't, if you're on a, if you're on a, a line to get somewhere like, like this, if you, we're all going to dodge and weave around that line a little bit throughout the, a year or five years or 10 years or a lifetime. But it's to not go way over here and get depressed because you just saw your best friend have a number one hit and you're still trying to get out of working at the fucking bar taco or wherever yeah, you're yeah. at. Right. Okay. So you can't get, you can't let that get you down. This is when you need to, you need to power up and you know, you need to go do whatever it is you need to do to get over that and keep doing it. And so those are the people that are going to leave here versus the ones that are going to stay here and do it, you know? And this is a tough town, man. It'll eat you alive. If you let that kind of stuff get to you, you might as well just get on out of here. That, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm right, not right. saying that to be, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, disrespectful or anything like that. But, and I'm not saying I've done it either. I'm saying this because I've been there and I struggle with it too. You know, I'm like, you know, but we have to see things. We have to zoom out and see, uh, look at things as, you know try to look at it with a different perspective and an eagle's eye view because otherwise our perception of things gets distorted and we start being way too hard on ourselves and all these things that can destroy somebody that might potentially have a great career so don't get too far off that line by watching some amazing shit on instagram and yeah, think yeah. that it's uh you know you're never going to get there or whatever because yeah. who knows what they did I think first of all people might feel that know. way looking at your instagram because you're outrageous people might oh, look God. at you and and have that feeling well i can turn you on to a bunch of other stuff to that'll make you feel way better <laughs> than, I, than i'm trying to do but no i mean hey man i appreciate you having me on here it's hard not to talk about this stuff and not get deep down into it you know oh yeah it's good shit no, Gather, I appreciate you coming on last minute, man. Of course. We, we set this up yesterday, and I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on. We did this yeah. years ago on my college radio station. You came on yeah, over at Berkeley, and, right. and, now, we're, and now we're back on it again. I'm sure who you uh, normally wanted to have scheduled will be here tomorrow, and you can— <laughs> And he bailed on me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, man, thanks a bunch, buddy. Guthrie, thanks Zach, for coming I love on. You, dude. I love you, too. Yeah, man. Guthrie Trap in the studio, in the Chase studio. One of the best to ever do it. Check out his record, Life After Dark. Came out a couple years ago. Yeah. Great record, actually. Some great songs on there. Thanks. His first record, too. He says the first record is a mess. That's what Guthrie says. I, I think the first record is badass. Monkey Bars. That's everybody's favorite. You can't do the second one until you do the first until one. Until you do the first one. But Commodities on the second record, which I love. I, that's probably my favorite Guthrie Trap song. Thanks, man. It's all great. You got to dive into the world of Guthrie Trap. He's going to blow your mind. He's one of the best out there, truly, right now. Guthrie Trap. I, I, I can't talk. Guthrie Trap in the Chase Studio. That's a wrap. Clark, we'd get, we, we get it? We you got it. it. Man. You get we it. got it. We got it. All right, man, that was funny shit.